Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and my sometime co-host, Miss Purrington, is actually back home. We have a new co-host named Miss Debbie, Miss Debbie Ocean. More on her in a moment. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at ComedyWham or on our ComedyWham Facebook page. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our monthly Comedy Wham showcase at Hops and Time in Lakeway. The next one is Tuesday, December 7th, and an events page for live shows in Austin and Houston. If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page and click Submit a Show to complete the short survey. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. And if you're listening and you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Now I get to introduce our guest. So this is somebody that I have been very patiently waiting to interview for years, years I say. Uh, she was a 2019 FPIA finalist. That's the boring comedy part. Now, the really cool things that she's done that I remember her for are she's a proud burlesque dancer. I got to see her at a comedy seance, which I really miss in 2021, as Freddie Mercury, owning it. <laughs> she's a proud performer in wrestling matches, including Kat Ramzinski's brand new Woo show. I'm sure I'm not saying that right. I think I need more Woo on that. Uh, one of my favorite roles for her was as the spellbinding Valerie de Vaseline in Real Housewives of Austin. Not based on me at all, by the way. Uh, and a little known fact, she got to meet Zach Hansen. And we might just both cry when we talk about LaShonda Lester. She's the sweetest Austin comic contender, and now I'm so excited, Comedy Wham presents Roxy Castillo. Roxy, <laughs> Roxy, Roxy, Roxy. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Valerie. I love this. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. And just, um, you, you are here in my home today with my co-host, Little Miss Debbie Ocean, yes. who we had to quarantine yeah. because she is... Um, <laughs> a toddler yeah <laughs> and would be eating everything right now but it's just such an honor to have you in my home yeah. and to just get to like talk yeah and shoot the shit i know right yeah uh this is oh i just can't believe how long this i've been waiting for this uh i think i finally did a hard press to to try to get you on after seeing you at a Laugh Darnit show, yes, back in the days when we still had Rob Gagnon and Ariel Greenspoon in Ooh. our in our city, and they hosted this amazing show, Laugh Damn It, but then they did a Laugh Darnit version for kids, and uh, I had conned my son <laughs> into volunteering, and you went, you were like over the moon. In love with him because he was wearing a Hufflepuff shirt. Team Hufflepuff, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and going all full circle, he was wearing a shirt that was custom designed by Matt Bearden's wife. Of course. <laughs> who was doing, or who's doing, did the, does the posy, oh, pocket full of posy. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, you think about all the ways that people are connected in weird ways and so now whenever I talk about my son with you I'm like my little Hufflepuff and I know exactly what you mean where I'm like yeah you're a little Hufflepuff <laughs> who's not so little and the reason that I'm here in your home is 
he's debating virtually and he needed absolute silence in the house. So I'm like, hey, Roxy, might work out for you. <laughs> you don't have to travel. I love this, though. <laughs> but I would have loved to seen him. And I remember that laugh, darn it, because... Um, we did the Laugh Damn It at Cap City, and then it eventually moved over to Barrel of Fun. They started to do the kids' version. And I love the kids' version more because, like, adults are adults. Yeah. And little kids just were so into the idea of, like, I'm not going to laugh. I'm laughing now. <laughs> and it's just, it's so fun to, like, make kids yeah. laugh. And then you feel like a rock star because you're like, yeah. Uh, she still got it. She can make kids laugh. <laughs> and the funny thing about that show is uh, watching comics try to stay clean. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> the the uh, the easy target then is you go to lean in hard to the fart jokes mm-hmm. because you know you can you can get a laugh out of any kid with a fart joke. <laughs> Uh, I still use that for, like, my good sets, my adult sets. Farts are funny. <laughs> they are. Well, Roxy, I do have an official icebreaker question, if yes. you're ready. All right. It is one word to describe your past. Oh, oh, tornado. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing a lot of, you know, quarantine um, in the pandemic has been a lot of self-reflection. Yeah. Because... It's the first time in a long time that I didn't have shows and that I didn't... Because I do a lot of stuff. I do Mm -hmm. stand-up. I do comedy, which in my head, that's uh, improv and sketch, wrestling and burlesque. So for so many years, the the 12 years I've been here in Austin, it's been go, go, go. Mm -hmm. And this was the first time that I actually had to like sit with myself and to self-reflect on... Why do I go so hard for things? Why do I, you know, say yes to everything? Why do I blah, 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 blah. So thinking about just kind of the the whirlwind, and I don't mean tornado in the fact that it was, like, destructive or, like, bad, but yeah. it just, I look back at past Roxy, and it just has been a whirlwind. Huh. Like, and it's been fun, but I'm just now getting used to stability and being able to like say no to things or to like have hard boundaries on my time and my passions and that I'm not just a performer and that I need to fill my personal cup up before I can pour into all of these different things that I enjoy. Yeah. Knowing the number of things that you, you do did, I wondered like, how, how do you manage to stay that busy and sane uh sane we don't we don't describe miss roxy as sane no it like i just i love being on stage like period end of story you could throw anything at me if it involves me being on stage i I love it that's where i shine i'll do it so it's not even like it was a like hard or a chore because that 10 minutes on stage, that 20 minutes, 30, however long you get on stage, it was, and it is so fulfilling that that gets me through to the next show or that gets me through the like being tired at work. That gets me through the like, oh God, my book, my week is so booked. Um, But I guess right now what I'm trying to figure out or what are other things that make me feel that same joy and and make me feel that. So I'm not just running constantly. Sure. Um, 
Yeah. So, ugh, am I like an adult now? <laughs> you might be. Not. I know. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, make a ruling at the end of this okay. podcast. <laughs> uh, tweet now at your, <laughs> if you think I'm yeah. an adult or not. So going back into the way, way back machine, where did you grow up? I grew up in Denver. Okay. In Denver proper. So the city of Denver. And... Fun childhood, very imaginative, very playful. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel blessed, I guess is the word, that I grew up in the time that I still remember having a home computer, but also a landline playing outside that, like, we didn't have handheld devices. So a lot of growing up was like, you go play outside or you check, you know, you delete the call from the school that said that you, that your kid, you know, missed a period, you can delete that on the answering machine Uh and it doesn't go to your mom's cell phone, that I didn't have a cell phone until, like, high school. So just, there was a lot of room to, like, explore outside. So I was a very, like, active, outdoorsy child. But not in, like, a, I didn't play soccer or, it was just, like, Roxy's somewhere in the neighborhood, Mm -hmm. like, making trouble. Yeah, being creative. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so heartwarming to hear that you're you describe your childhood as as playful and creative because that's exactly how I would describe you today. Oh. Did comedy play any kind of role in your life growing up? I was always the class cl- I'm hesitant to say like class clown because mm. it wasn't like I was making jokes, but I was always fearless in being outrageous like I I don't know how to describe it I never cared what I wore everything was always mismatched I didn't care like I don't know I oh I just sound like I'm no I'm gonna own I'm gonna own I didn't want to yes okay see this is where the quarantine therapy is I have to and I won't charge you either thank you so much but I I I danced to the beat of my own drum and I think because of that, people just naturally found me, like, funny or entertaining because I didn't care if I made a fool of myself or I didn't care, like, if I was playing the loudest. And then, of course, it's as you get into, like, middle school and high school that those insecurities come in and you're like, oh, no, I'm too weird. Mm -hmm. How do I fit in? How do I this? And then it's like, no, little Roxy was the best. Like, she's the little light that comes out when I'm on stage of, like, who gives a fuck? (laughs) Who cares? So, were you a teacher's pet? Because I imagine. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Not even a teacher's pet, but um, I just was. They would light up when they would see you walk in a room. <laughs> I got away with a lot. I'll just put that. I'll put it that way. I definitely got away with a lot. That my grades weren't the best. I know I'm a smart person, but uh-huh. like I don't think academically I'm very bright that way. Yeah. But because I'm, I, I got away with a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, teacher's pet. It's so funny. I as you're talking about your childhood, I cannot stop thinking about that comedy séance when you were Freddie Mercury because to me it encapsulated encapsulates what you're describing. Like you just loved the attention. Mm-hmm. You put your heart into this performance that I saw you do and you had the crowd just roaring. That because was so funny. <laughs> Well, I love, um, so I love Freddie Mercury. So the source material, like, it was an honor to get to play him. Mm -hmm. And first off, it was always an honor, this is where the detour part comes in, (laughs) um, 
to be asked to be part of that show. Because yeah. I think when I started in the Austin comedy scene, um, LaShonda took me under her wing, and it was kind of like... Uh, LaShonda and Maggie Mae were my big sisters, oh. and I was kind of their, like, oh. little tag-along. That's how I saw myself. Probably no one else yeah. saw me that way, but that's how I felt, where I was just like, the cool girls let, let me hang out with them today, and then I hung out with them. So I always saw myself, like, junior varsity to everybody's varsity. Mm-hmm. So that particular comedy seance, to be asked to do it, was where it was like, am I kind of, like, graduating a little bit from, like, freshman to sophomore or sophomore to junior, like, if I'm thinking about it in those terms? Mm-hmm. And so I was so nervous, but because I knew because I knew Freddie Mercury so well and I was like, I'm going to try this angle, I just had so much fun. And I think just being like, I'm already booked on the show. Okay, who do I have to impress? Like, Matt Beard. You know, like, yeah. there's all these people that I'm like, Matt Blake's going to be there, uh-huh. and Matt Bearden's going to be there. Oh, no, what if they don't think I'm cool? <laughs> you know? And then all of a sudden just being like, man, fuck. Yeah. Fuck them. I booked the show. I'm going to have fun. And it's also fun any show to have, like, that show in particular, um, like, Rob and Ariel were there, and they're, like, my, like, those are my people. Yeah. And so it just was nice to be like, okay, I'm safe because my friends are here and they know and they support me. And like, same with Vanessa, where mm-hmm. it's like, if one of my people's around, it's easier to be like, okay, I got this. Don't mm-hmm. be so nervous. Yeah. So I wasn't nervous. So it was fun to like, knock that one out of the park. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've We've now talked about this seance and I, I posted um, a week or so ago on my Facebook that I really miss the comedy seance that is such a fun you know, show it's it was obviously gone last year during the covid but it hasn't come back this year mm-hmm. and it's a bummer because it was such a memorable well done show and you never knew what you were gonna yeah. get and you know i have i have hopes that maybe it'll, it'll come I'm, back. I'm sure it will yeah With, i hope so i there's so much that i'm like well once cap is back yeah. once cap city's back we'll get some yeah. of these like institution shows back but but we have to find a new satan right because our satan moved correct so that's the big i filled in as uh, satan's assistant one year Uh, and then katie pengra the last year that we did the comedy seance she did like a witch character yeah so well you know satan's come and go baby we got there's other there's other satanic underworld demons that can sub in so Going back, again, as as school wound down for you, were you doing performance, formal performance at all, or were you still just being the, the character crackpot in classes? Um, not really formally. So we moved from Denver to a suburb in middle school, high school, so that was a big hit to, like, my, mm. you know, being comfortable. Because I think a lot of that beginning magic was, like, if I'm comfortable and supported is when that, like, sun shines through. And so because I didn't have, like, the friends I grew up with in high school, I had a lot of anxiety. I had really bad panic attacks, then getting medicated for that. So that kind of, there was a little bit of time where, like, my shine wasn't as bright, but also, like, it's fucking middle school. So, you know, who's going to look back at that time fondly? (laughs) Um, And then I got introduced to this little drug called marijuana oh (laughs) and so a lot of my high school years were 
like I was stoned Hmm. and I I had fun. Like it was a ton of fun for me, but the things that like, I regret not doing school plays or I regret Hmm. not like I got cast in one school play and then I ended up dropping out because I wanted to go get stoned with my friends and go to the Little Caesars in the Kmart because they would go there after school and I'd be like, no, I have practice. I have play practice. And I was like, book this play yeah and i'm like man that would have been like a good outlet for me but i didn't really have that it wasn't until i did community college after high school and one of the classes well i should say so my uncle passed away when i was like a senior in high school he never had kids and so me my sister and my cousin got a pretty big inheritance Mm. so when i went to school i had the privilege and it was a privilege to get to take whatever classes that I wanted because it wasn't like I was on a track for anything or that I was like I could just kind of pick and choose what classes that I wanted to take so I took a lot of like drama classes writing classes and one of the drama classes that they offered was a comedy class Ah. so they taught improv sketch and stand up and then at the end of the semester they had this big um, showcase show so that's where I got introduced to like formal comedy and that's where my like comedy journey begins that's when you switched from one high to the Ah, other and and i still was stoned (laughs) i didn't switch we just added it (laughs) um yeah so i started that class and it was the community i'd been looking for like the true commute like improv i love i love sketch So we learned all of, like, the basics, and then for the, um, for, like, the big showcase show, you had to audition to do the stand-up. So we all had to write material and then audition that material, and only two people got picked for the night of to do it, and guess who got picked? Roxy Castillo! It was me! And so part of, like, the homework was to go to open mics. So that was, like, my homework. So... Getting laughs in the real world, that was the first time that I was like, oh, oh, I'm good at something. Because I wasn't good at school and, like, you yeah. know, I was likable. But I, this was the first time that I could channel that into something. Mm-hmm. And I have a VHS somewhere of this performance of, like, yeah, my first live yeah. stand-up performance at this um, community college wow. of Denver Scared scriptless is what it was called. So that's how I started my my little career. Wow. Well, that's that's so cool to hear the connection from like your first official education was formal, and then you've continued because I see you as somebody who's a Jill of all trades. Like you can do stand up, you can do sketch, you can do improv, and to me, it's like, well, she's been doing this all her life. Yeah kind of deal and it's because you got a little bit of a foundation of you know and it was nice that the foundation was technical Mm -hmm. so like learning how to write stand-up you know like in the class it was like it was the formulaic like Mm -hmm. this is what a setup is this is what a punchline is whereas maybe people who are naturally funny not saying I'm not naturally funny but like they had to learn that on stage doing open mics whereas I got that in the classroom setting to be like okay let me look at my material is this the setup is this Mm -hmm. the punchline rules of three like I I'm very appreciative that that's like the foundation of yeah 
my creativity and writing in stand-up particularly. So from that point, where did you go? What did you do? Yeah, so I still lived in Denver. And after that, um, just kind of got started in the Denver comedy scene in 2008. Okay. And I was 19, 20 at the time. Just adore. Like, I was just the new girl on the Mm -hmm. street. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. (laughs) But, you know, she was out... She was out there doing shows, and it was fun for me because I was the new girl and because I was, like, somewhat funny. Um, Yeah. So um, from there, what did you do? Yep. So I was still living in Denver, and then I just integrated myself into the Denver comedy scene, did open mics, started to book... Like shows, they had just opened a Denver Improv, and I got to like um, open for Joe Joe Coy. Oh wow! <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> and it was fun because I was the new girl. You know, I was cute, yeah. I was new, I was quirky. So I like got booked. You know, I I I didn't go. Th- this sounds very cocky, but it's my truth, so it is what it is. Yeah. I didn't have to struggle. I just got, I just started booking shows. So I don't feel like I ever had to like claw my way up a scene or like I started really strong in Denver. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm really grateful for that. But then when I moved to Austin, I did have to, it was a hard adjustment because then I was like, oh, I'm not just the cute girl anymore. I'm not just like the quirky, weird girl. (laughs) I actually have to like write and hustle and go out and... Yeah, so I... But you were still those things. You were still a cute girl. Yeah. You were still likable. I had to work harder to get booked for shows. Because that was something... Ego Roxy, we've had to (laughs) have many a tough conversations over the years where it's like, I don't want to ask to do shows. Mm. I want people to book me because they find me valuable. And then it's like, bitch, (laughs) just ask to do the show if you want. Like, uh, Matt Bearden's Punch. For a long time, I was like, Matt hates me. He doesn't think I'm funny. He's never asked me to do it. I'm not funny. That's the show that's going to put me, you know, out there. And then it's like, I could have just asked him, but I was so intimidated by like Mm -hmm. these older people. So when I was in Denver, I, you know, you know, you're 20 years old. This is the first time that you're ever like socially accepted. You're not the weirdo. You're in it. You know, was I a little promiscuous? Yes, I was. Let's just, let's call it uh, a spade, a spade. And you know what? I love 20s Roxy because she could get away with it. Uh-huh. And that's just the truth of it. So when I moved to Austin, I was like, I'm not going to sleep with anybody. I'm not going to like date comics. Mm-hmm. It's, it's comedy is creativity. And so because of that, I put this really big wall up in between the men of comedy. Mm. So I've always, I'm always just naturally more friendly I think with women I feel more comfortable with women um but when I first came here like I was very standoffish because I knew that I didn't want to get shows just because I had slept with somebody or be known for you know like and that's not as a side I know that I was funny I know that I was valid but I also just happen to you know yeah you're just young like well and you've made a change to a city and you 
I think it's natural to evaluate your wholeness yeah. and think, okay, is there, are there things that I can leave behind? Are there things that I want to jump into? And you had gotten to a point where you wanted to make that change. Yeah. So when I got here, there were like the older kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the varsity guys that it's like, they were the ones running the shows, yeah. the Chris Cubises, the Matt Bearden's, the like, uh, Ramin Nazers, the Andy Ritchie's like that I just wouldn't approach. Mm. But then I also wasn't getting booked on shows because I wasn't being friendly with them. But I had had again that like, well, I don't want to be friendly because I don't want to accidentally. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's just like you're 22, yeah. you're 21. Like we could pretend that that's not how scenes operate, yeah. but like that's part of the fun of being part of like a scene is you were a weird kid in school. Now all of a sudden you have other weirdos with you. Yeah. You're going to hook up. Yeah. But I just knew that I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. So, um, quickly befriended like LaShanta, Maggie, Kat, Amber, um, Amber Bixby. So those were like my ladies. Yeah. And so they kind of helped me navigate meeting the guys of the scene, um, like starting to get booked on shows. So going back to like the not asking to be on shows was because I was like, oh, well, they didn't ask me because they didn't know me and because I was so standoffish mm-hmm. or because I, you know, really kept very clicky with like the she's and gays. Mm-hmm. Like that was my comfort zone. Yeah. So. Yeah. Huh, that's interesting because you're right. When I went out to comedy scenes, I didn't get to see you very often. And it probably was, that was a manifestation of, of that yeah. way of life, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was um, so happy to see you at the FPIA finals. I'm like, yay, because I know she does incredible character work incredible sketch improv work mm. so it was nice to see you recognized you know yes. whatever that means yeah. because we all know it's all judged and it's just kind of i, I, I i'm gonna I, take it i heard <laughs> no you, are you, you did kidding me it. yeah 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 and that was like again going back to the like ego self for so long i was like i'm not worthy because i've never been a finalist mm. i'm not worthy because i've never done this show i'm not worth and so yeah. i would just bring myself down when really like I'm almost actually glad that I didn't, my ego didn't get fed at that time because I think the monster could have been a lot worse. Mm. Whereas now it's like, no, I've earned that. I say this like, I'm good. Like, I'm good. And I, I, if I never do comedy again, I'm still good. Like, but I've worked hard for that. I've worked, I've put in my hours maybe elsewhere, maybe at the improv theater or doing sketches with bad example or in the wrestling ring or burlesque. Like I've paid my dues and I just feel like now I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad I didn't like, (laughs) I'm so glad this is happening now when I can look back and to be like, no, that's just hard work. And I'm very proud of my like hard work. Yeah. This is the, the, the three legged stool concept, uh, put into play the three legged stool being stand up, improv and sketch mm-hmm. and my observation i'm i don't own this observation that if you can do all three they each inform yes. the other and make you stronger and i don't know if this will come off as an insult but i don't view you as a comic i view you as a character performer thank you yes no that's not an insult at all <laughs> i think there's just so much more that you're 
capable of than just stand up mm-hmm. and all of those other things that you've been doing help make you stronger as as the stand up when you you know when we get lucky enough to to yeah. watch you do stand up so i i beat myself up for a very long time where i was like god could i have could I have maybe one FPIA if I would have just focused on stand-up? If I would yeah. have hustled and done this, that, and this? Could I have maybe made it to SNL if I had just focused on sketch? And so I was very hard on myself of like, why do you have to have so many interests? Why do you mm. say yet? Yeah, like, all of this. Now with like some years, it's a blessing. But I felt like I had punished myself for having multiple interests. Huh. Burlesque probably being the one because when I first moved to Austin, started doing comedy, again, kind of had that guard up. So I was less like integrated into the scene. Then I found burlesque. So I had originally hosted for or auditioned for the troupe that I ended up being part of Black Widow Burlesque as their host because I was like, it's a comedy thing. I was like, for shits and giggles. I'll try to do like an actual routine, mm-hmm. you know, for this audition. They wanted me as a dancer. And so then all of a sudden I'm exploring that side of myself. So now I have these two creative outlets. One's using my voice and mm-hmm. one's using my body. And I could channel some of that like sexual energy that I had maybe put into like yeah. actual other people <laughs> into myself and like learn how to feel empowered in my body. So because, okay, then now my legs are sp- split. Huh? <laughs> But, you know, it's like now my time is split yeah. in between like learning how to be a burlesque dancer and the community within burlesque is very different from a comedy community. Whereas, you know, the Austin scene has gone through many, my time here, many turns of the wheel. Mm-hmm. So there's times where it's very fractioned and clicky. There's times when it's super supportive and that wheel just turns as people come and go as yeah. like the scene evolves I know that I'm just on the wheel. Like, there's going to be times that I'm not vibing with everybody. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be times that we're all supporting each other. Whereas burlesque, it's very supportive. Mm-hmm. That's the nature of burlesque. So then all of a sudden I was like, man, why do I want to hang out with these shitty guys <laughs> who are competitive and, yeah. you know, this ego base to go hang out with these beautiful, like, supportive women who all they want to do is lift you up and tell you how, like powerful you are so then i'm finding myself drawn more and more to burlesque less to comedy you know then improv and stand-up get added into the fold um then you get the same supportiveness of burlesque but with comedy Mm -hmm. and always still trying to like keep my hand on stand-up because i do love like telling my story and being on stage and having the like sole focus on me yeah (laughs) (laughs) but then here's stand-up and sketch where it's like oh they just want to have like here's the goofy here's the like but then stand-up looks down on improv stand-up you know like the historical that and so then it's like oh am I not getting booked shows because now I'm associated with this improv theater or because I'm um I was in a sketch group called bad example Mm -hmm. and we performed at the new movement theater and we were a weekly sketch show so that took a lot of my time because we had to c- produce new content weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it was Vanessa Gonzalez, Michael Folk, John Buseman, like all of these powerhouse people yeah. where we got to like learn this other form of comedy. So 
that then took up a lot of my time. So I always kind of feel like I come back to stand-up, but stand-up's always, like, the anchor. Mm -hmm. Like, stand-up is where, if those three legs, that's the table that I can always come back and put my drink on. Yeah. So, yes, I started feeling the tornado, as you described, you know, (laughs) the burlesque, (laughs) stand-up, sketch, improv. Uh, What was the most intense period for you with your interests in these different arts? Oh, probably like 2016 to 2020. Those four years, it was just hard to say no. Then... That's when wrestling gets added into the fold. Oh, God, yes. yes. <laughs> There's wrestling, <laughs> which is its own beast already. Uh-huh. Um, so then that gets folded in, and it's just, it's hard to say no. Like, I I lived and died by my calendar where I would have all, you know, I'd look at my month, and I'd be like, mm-hmm. can I squeeze in another? <laughs> I have this rehearsal. I have this practice. And honestly, I love the grind. Like, I do enjoy I did enjoy it. Let me say that. Because yeah. right now, Roxy sitting in front of you, maybe that's not it anymore. <laughs> um, but it was hard. It's it's just hard to keep up. It's hard to be tired. But then I look back and I look at my personal life and it's like, yeah, no shit you couldn't keep a partner. Mm-hmm. No shit you couldn't, like, you know, I would just smoke weed and drink and, like, just to come down. Yeah. Or, you know, like, not taking care of myself, just physically and emotionally and it's like yeah that was a hard time too because then trying to have like partners trying to have like you know my job I've always felt lucky that my job has always just been like a means to an end Mm -hmm. um but that was a hard time just you know you're growing you're learning yeah you're trying to have it all and then all of a sudden it's like the pandemic happened and it's like oh I can't have it all and that's okay like Mm -hmm. that's okay yeah so so a lot of reflection during yes, yeah. the, the pandemic. And now that we're starting to come out of it, you're doing the wrestling. I've, um, so I used to do three wrestling things and now I'm only doing one. Okay. I'm trying to just edit down to like, what is a manageable? Yeah. Um, I don't dance for burlesque anymore, but I do okay. host shows from time to time. So that's maybe like a three time a year commitment Mm -hmm. so like that's doable wrestling's every couple months so like that's doable as well yeah um i yeah it's becoming more and more man i'm i'm just trying to have very hard boundaries on like did i get everything else done for me to be a person first Mm -hmm. then i can add in shows like and not the other way around because my mental health has been hard fought and hard won and like I, I'm I'm never not going to be me. So I have to remind myself that of, I'm like, okay, I stopped doing stand-up for a couple years. That doesn't mean I'm not a funny person. That doesn't mean I'm not a bright person. And that doesn't mean I'm not a creative person. If three years' time I choose to do that again, I trust that I'm going to just have something different to say. But, like, I don't need to be that oh my god yes (laughs) (laughs) younger roxy if you're listening you did it bitch lashonda if you're listening you did it bitch 
Because I never thought I'd say that. Because the ego monster of just like, I need to do shows. If I don't have shows booked, I'm not funny. If I don't have shows booked, I'm not creative. If I'm not running, 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 I'm not this. And then all of a sudden, it's been like, no, I'm a person first. And I can always come back to this. This is a outlet. It's not my life. Yeah. Uh, I got a little bit misty-eyed at hearing you talk about that turning it on myself. So I have, I, I was doing stand-up for a little bit mm-hmm. and with the pandemic and now my son's between swim schedule and debate, yeah. I, I can't, I can't go to open mics. Yeah. And before the pandemic, I was able to go often enough that I'd get picked up on a show here or there. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is, you know, this is, working its its way out yeah and i have definitely had to fight those demons of you know what for the next year and a half i'm just not going to be able to do this mm-hmm. and when i when he graduates i will have more free yeah, time and i yeah. can mm-hmm. and reminding myself my first job is as a parent yeah and if I can raise the coolest, smartest Hufflepuff, Hufflepuff yes. then isn't that the most important thing? Because yeah. that's going to reflect on me way more than, you know, How, what, what, I do what shows did you book or what? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Like, I'm right there with you. It, it's, I'm a, like, we're people first. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a woman first. And it's like, I think about the goals that I want and yeah, like comedy's always going to be there. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I don't have a world that I'm not doing something creative. Mm -hmm. It's just coming to peace with like, there might be seasons for it. And I've like, I've just no, you know, I, I knew I didn't ever want to be like a road dog comic. Like I always just struggled with where was my place in comedy because it's like, you think of what's the trajectory for a comic. Okay. You go on tour you you know you go to festivals you put your name out there Mm -hmm. my schedule wouldn't allow that because I'm doing so many things would be like well I can't do a festival because I have wrestling that weekend or I forgot about this so I didn't I didn't want to be a road dog that way the other trajectory is moving to either LA Chicago or New York Mm -hmm. neither of those cities are places that I want to be because there's other like I love swimming. I can't swim in Chicago the way that I can go to Barton Springs here and swim. Like, yeah. that's something that brings me a lot of joy. Same with, like, L.A. It's just culturally not where I want to be or who I, like, want to be. Yeah. And that's not a dig at anybody who does decide. So then I kind of had to come to peace. And this was probably around the time that, like, LaShonda passed away, where it was just kind of me coming to terms with, like, what am I going to do with this? Like, what is... And so it's hard to say this, and that's not to say that blessings won't find their way to me. I'm a, I'm a hobby comedian. Like, I'm a hobby. Like, this is a creative outlet for me. Mm-hmm. It's not my job. And I don't think I ever want it to be my job because I would not want the stress of it. I'm always going to find a way to perform at work. Like, I can do training at work. I can be in front of people. Yeah. I can teach. I can, like, the thing that I want isn't an audience clapping. It's just, I like shining my light and I can do that. So yeah. Yeah. Vote now for being an adult. (laughs) Text nine one seven two four. If Roxy's an adult now, I wish we would have talked. 
five years ago? Because you would have gotten very different answers where I'm like, I gotta yeah. be the best. I'm gonna be on SNL. I'm gonna reboot Mad TV. Uh-huh. Well, this this is actually uh, interesting that you mention you know the your past version of yourself because what I want to ask you is so you've had this like imposed upon self reflection because of the shutdown mm-hmm. but you've had a lifetime of being in that tornado and just taking on new things so how will you make sure that you stay protective of your time and your you being the person that you're happy with. And not getting swept back up. Yeah. Oh, you know, let's talk in a year. <laughs> I like the calendar has always been the Holy Bible for mm-hmm. me. Like I have my Amen. calendar. Preach. Yes. You look at it and yeah. you're like, what can I do? And I think just being so intentional with like, okay, I have my D&D game night. So that's my Thursdays. Oh my I don't gosh. like to book games on Thursday. Well, I, okay. So it's not actually technically D&D. It's vampires. <laughs> okay. We play Vampire the Masquerade, if anybody okay. <laughs> has played it. So it's like Thursday night shows are off limits uh-huh. unless, you know, it's from time. To, if it's a good show. Yeah. Like, I don't mean to say it that yeah. way, but it's got to be worth the, you know, she's got to be worth the squeeze. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Thursdays are blocked off. Um, in September... October, November, Monday night shows are off the books because it's Dancing with the Stars. And I love Dancing with the Stars. So, like, that's my moment to be at home and to be on the couch. I got my cat. I want to watch my fucking ABC Uh Dancing with the Stars. So Mondays and Thursdays are out. Okay, I need to work out, you know, like, can I work out after, you know. So just, like, looking at my, just being harder about, like, no, you know what, I'll cancel vampires night because someone offered a show it's like no i actually get a lot of joy with being with my friends Mm -hmm. and pretending like we're vampires that brings me just as much joy as going on stage does so um calendar is just a little bit more blocked off Mm -hmm. and just more intentional with my time yeah what i like hearing about how that process that you just described is you're looking at it like months you know like a three months and i think that's a really healthy way to protect that time and reinforce your habit Mm -hmm. because I know that if you just say oh you know I'm just gonna I'll skip the Thursday night vampire night this week well then if you're just looking at your calendar a week at a time then it's easy to say oh well I skipped last week I'll just go ahead and skip this coming week too because I got offered this thing and Mm -hmm. why not and uh, then it's easy to get swept back up and I like for younger comics I say book a show a week in advance do like yes yeah. that like when you have the time and the energy and like mm-hmm. hustle for it 20s roxy could do that sure. and had the same like or had more pliability could bounce back a little bit quicker like mm-hmm. for me it's like looking like when does the show start does it pay how close is it like these are all things that like i pardon me feel shitty like looking at but it's also like but i also I go to bed by 11. Like, I don't drink anymore. Yeah. I'm trying to, like, look at how much weed I smoke. Like, I'm I'm trying to get, health, like, mentally healthy yeah. for whatever's next for me. So, looking at those things. But, like, bookers, if you're listening, <laughs> book stuff out months in advance <laughs> and give all of the details in mm-hmm. one. Like, that's a pet peeve of mine when people book where it's just like, hey, can you jump on a show next week? I'm like, <sighs> I have, I have limited, I, like, I've tried to do it, like, okay, I can, I, I'm only doing four shows a month. However that's peppered in, once mm-hmm. I hit four, 
I just can't like run the same way. Yeah. And then trying to be like, okay, well my, and wrestlers do this a lot where they're like, my October, November, December books are open, book me. So then once they're booked, those books close. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about it like seasonally, less than weekly. So I would love if bookers booked shows out months in advance. So then it's on the calendar. You have priority. Okay, that's a Thursday. Vampires knows, hey, Roxy has a show that week. We're done there. Mm -hmm. Like, I just really love when people, like, respect that time and respect that, like, comedy's not my only thing. Yeah. And and as a planner, I know that I like to yes. book my showcase like two months. In yes, I love that. Yeah. So one day when your Tuesdays are open yes. again, yes, yeah. <laughs> of course, it's out in Lakeway, and mm-hmm. you know it's, it's a little bit of a of a hike. But the one thing that's for sure, people of Lakeway are very generous with the tips. Hell yeah! So. Of course they yes, <laughs> yeah. And one like. I I just I love new experiences. Mm-hmm. I love so it's like yeah, new show. Hell yeah. yeah. I'm so excited for like when Cap opens back up where it's like that's a new space or that's yeah. like a what are new routines that yeah. we can build out, but I definitely feel old where I'm like, yeah, I'm excited for Cap to open cuz it's around the corner. Yeah, <laughs> like, right? <laughs> such a big like, God damn, I'm old. But Lashana used to like I know I don't mean to like keep gripping on her. I had no, a dream about her the other night, so she's aw. been in my, like, atmosphere lately. Yeah. Um, but these are a lot of, like, lessons that I've learned from her. Because mm-hmm. she would go through, like, seasons where she'd be like, you know what? I'm taking the month off. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to book anything. I don't want to produce anything. And I'd be like, girl, what are <sighs> you doing? No, you have to, like, book shows. And she'd be like, I'll book it when I'm when I'm ready. Yeah. And so I would see her go through these, like, I'm just not in the mood. Yeah. And she still was the fucking queen. Like, and she still didn't have to, like, prove it. Yeah. So I'm just hoping that I don't have to, like, prove it. We're just like, yeah, I'm fine. I'll, I'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. You're fine. You'll get booked. And if you don't, it's a hobby. Right. <laughs> We're fine. My uh, my deep connection to LaShonda was that her son and mm-hmm. my Hufflepuff were like born within a few days, yeah. you know, to the year and, and date. And we would talk mm. about that. And, you know, I miss getting to, to talk to her around yeah. their birthday times. And I think about her, yeah. you know, every time his birthday comes around mm. and, you know, it was Mr. Alex. <laughs> yeah. 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 So for, for anybody that, um, that is listening, that has no clue who LaShonda is, we, We've got on our website a basically a from the archives podcast episode mm-hmm. an article and for I don't know how long because I'm a I'm too lazy and also I just want her to be like a reminder she is like perpetually our yeah. from the archives because I want people to know who she she was and that she actually still has an influence in the scene mm-hmm. because people like you and others like remember her and what she represented for the scene and you know i i assume because i you know such a a haze that night but when she won fpia Uh, i mean everybody was just like a more deserving person and her set was so impeccable Mm -hmm. and talking to her so like on the other side of that going back to like the confidence of it she just was like i'm not going to be nervous because i know 
that this title isn't going to make or break. Yeah. That that, like, she was like, I'm not going to be nervous. I'm choosing not to be nervous because yeah. I know that I'm a bad bitch. Yeah. And they can either give that to me or not. Mm-hmm. And I think not having the nerves and just being like, yeah, I booked the show. Moon Tower, like, this past Moon Tower was my first, like, solo Moon Tower that I got to do. Yeah. And I was so, like, leading up to it, I was like, oh, what's my set going to be? I haven't really, you know, been doing show. Oh, God, what if? And then, like, the night of, I was like, motherfucker, they booked me. Like, they know what I can do. Mm-hmm. So why am I nervous? Who, who am I nervous for? <laughs> yeah. What is this, like, I, like, Vanessa is my best friend, and we always talk about this, where it's like, who is she for? She's not for anybody. Like, it <laughs> serves nobody for me to be, like, in my head about stuff. Yeah. Like. I know, I know what I can bring. And LaShonda showed us how to do that. Mm -hmm. Like, and she fought for us to be able to be like, no, you're funny. Stop it. Just because we're not funny the same way that other people are funny. Doesn't mean you're not. And like your people are out there. So I, I take a lot of that from her and I take a lot of the like, um, just like boundaries with time and boundaries with like, she was a mom first. She was a wife she like her family came first and then her passion project of weird true hollywood tales like people didn't go to that show it wasn't like it was sold out every week mm-hmm. but the amount of detail and love and care that she put into every single show even if it was for six people at the salvage vanguard theater i am so happy that i got to even be part of that and it's just uh-huh. like yeah i want people to know lashonda i want like i Got the privilege of um, co-hosting on 101X for a couple weeks this past year, and it happened to be on her um, death anniversary. It felt so cool to be like, no, I'm talking about LaShonda on air. Like, (laughs) y'all remember, we're not letting her, Mm -hmm. like, she's not gone. Yeah. She's not gone. Yeah. Good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So you did get your first moon tower. You just talked about how you had to put, you know, the hands off to your you getting into your brain Mm -hmm. about what that mean Uh, so did you allow yourself to have fun I had the best time (laughs) it was uh, I think the only thing that made it not the best time was the um, pandemic anxieties where just we've gone so long without being in a crowd and then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden being downtown for three nights Mm -hmm. you know four nights in sixth street downtown I think that was the only like nerve-wracking thing of just being like am i being safe yeah i mean i know i'm vaccinated and yeah i know it's all okay but like it it's just shaking off the like oh no yeah yeah I, I i felt the same way but i you know i kept my mask up i'm vaccinated yeah. but i'm like yeah i can't i can't risk bringing it to somebody else mm-hmm. and so i'm like i'll just it's scary so i had a wonderful time everybody was so wonderful it's just so good to like see comedy again and to look at it again not through like an ego's eyes but through like a what are they doing there oh they're telling oh they're using their inflection here Mm -hmm. to get to the punch there they tightened that here and like kind of doing the math behind it yeah it was really fun to watch like James Adomian. It was so fun to watch, like, Dulce Sloan, like, Shane Torres, and be like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Oh, oh that's, what are they laughing? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. How do I do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I find myself, you know, since my 
then time doing stand up mm-hmm. and being such a fan of stand up and watching so many comics. Now I find myself at the festivals. I'm studying. Yeah. Like, what is it they're they're doing? Like my my biggest revelation was I got to watch the small venue show that mm-hmm. Maria Bamford did. Oh yeah. At the Parker Jazz Lounge, mm-hmm. and I'm watching her and I'm like, this shouldn't work. It just shouldn't. But it does. It does. Mm-hmm. It's wild to see. Yeah, like to try to study it and break it apart and think these random words she's putting together, but just her delivery. And it's just wild that some people can pull off things that on paper are nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. But on a stage with the practice and, and that's, what's been hard for me during the pandemic. Well, just forever, I think, because I think I'm a better performer than I am a writer. Mm. So when I'm not performing, I don't have that confidence. Wow. And when I'm not, where I'm just like, oh my God, my jokes suck. How come I can't write? How come this yeah. is like hard for me? And it's like, oh, because my process is I need to be on stage to be in the vibe, to be able to like find how this works. Because on yeah. paper, you're like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. My partner, he's not a comedian, but he's like a very talented and very funny guy and I'll run stuff by him and mm-hmm. he's like what if you edited it this way? you know uh-huh. like he's a better writer just in general yeah. so it's been nice to be like what, yeah what up? <laughs> how would you edit this because that is not intuitive to me what's uh-huh. intuitive is getting on stage and being like sparkle sparkle bitch which not everybody has uh-huh. but the writing part is what eludes me like I struggle yeah. with writing yeah. And yet you had that formal education. You learned the principles. Oh, but I struggle. It's hard because I'm like, this should be funny. <laughs> nope. Okay. <laughs> All right. But I make it work. I'm not going to overthink that today. It's a Saturday. Yeah. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. We're not yes. going to overthink today. <laughs> nah. No need to. Mm-hmm. No need to. Uh, let's see. Is there, do you want to talk about meeting Zach Hansen since I mentioned it in the Oh, yes, because this also ties in with LaShonda. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) I work, um, I worked across, it was South by Southwest uh, 2018, and I was working on the 10th floor across the street from the Belmont, and I knew that they were playing, but it was like a teacher's only type of like, Hmm. you know, like, teachers, come see Hanson. And so on my lunch break, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go see if I could try to get in. So me and one of my other coworkers, um, they didn't cart us. They didn't anything. It was just like, come on in. Let's see it. <laughs> so Hanson then starts playing. So then I get to like during the middle of my work day, get to watch Hanson. And then they did this like meet and greet over, you know, in like the inside room. And we were trying to get in. And I was like, ugh. I'm not going to meet him, whatever. So I was like, you know what? Let me try going to the back alley. And all while doing this, I was kind of secretly praying to LaShonda. And I was like, girl, if there's any way you can help me, like, meet Hanson, that'd be awesome. So I'm in the alley like a fucking stalker. (laughs) And they come out. And we were like, hi. And they're like, we're so sorry. We have to run to this other show. And I was like, I'm not going to be weird and, like, chase after them, whatever. So they're walking out of the alley. And then I see from Zach Hansen's back pocket. And I could have sworn, like, if there was a ghost there, it would have been LaShonda <laughs> going into his back pocket. Why did he have a $100 bill not in his wallet? It was just folded up. Oh, my gosh. That came out of his pocket. And so I watched the money fall from his pocket. 
I run to the money and I was like, Zach, Zach. (laughs) So I'm running after him and I was like, I promise you I'm not crazy. You dropped this hundred dollars from outside of your pocket. And then he checks it and he was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And I was like, since I gave it back, can I just get a picture really quick? And he was like, of course you can. So we take the picture the rest of the guy, you know, Isaac and Taylor are already halfway up the block. And I was like, thank you so much. And he was like, thank you. And then I was like, I just met no. Zach. And then I had to go back to work. <laughs> but I, like, levitated. <laughs> it was <laughs> such a, like, my prayer, LaShonda helped me yeah. pull that hundred dollars. Like, ugh, I should get that, like, drawn up or something. <laughs> Because I just see her ghost just like, uh-huh. I got you, bitch. Come, yeah. Come on. Get, go meet your boy. And her standing back just watching. Why? Yeah. Go on. Meet your little white boy. <laughs> oh, I can hear her saying. Exactly. Like, uh-huh. she was just with me that yeah. day. And there's, t- you know, I'm a big spiritualist. So it's like, she's not gone to me. Like, yeah. we get to hang out in my dreams. We get to, like, yeah. you know. And that goes for all of my um Halloween's tomorrow. It's like Dia de los Muertos. Yeah. Where it's like, my people aren't gone. They're with me. They listen. Yeah. She's here. I was thinking it is so perfect that we're interviewing this weekend because I know how like spirituality and mm-hmm. and the crystals like mean such a big part of you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is perfect that yeah. we're interviewing. It's, um, I... I don't want to make fun of that stuff anymore because mm-hmm. for a while I was like, oh, what if I'm like branded as a witch? And like, that's mm. like, that I, the, that stuff actually means something to me. So how do I like lightly and respectfully yeah. approach it without it being like, this is my brand. It's like, no, it actually is a, like uh, stuff that matters to me. Yeah. So how do I keep that sacred? So, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, you said we, could talk next year so i'm gonna yes. put a reminder that we'll revisit next year see how good you are at uh, keeping that tornado at bay she's a little a little water spout now but thank you so much <laughs> yeah. for having me and thank, i'm glad we got to um just have time to like connect yeah it was weird to hear what came out yeah <laughs> is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to share with people no just that i'm uh totally normal <laughs> we haven't really talked very much about debbie Oh, she's a little demon bitch. I love her more than anything. But that goes back to, like, I actually have time now to, like, care for a pet. and yeah. to, I had rats for a while, but mm-hmm. their lifespans are so short. So yeah. it was kind of like a, this is a commitment. So I'm like, I want to be a good person for my cats. Yeah. I want to be a good person so that when I get another little friend for her, I'm a stable, healthy yeah. person who can not be out all night and I'm home to feed them. So, yeah. And you could join the legions of people that post cat pictures on Hell Instagram. Yeah. Yes. That's my <laughs> like people. Me. Hashtag Miss Prairie if you're curious. <laughs> okay, Roxy, before we close out, I yes. have one more question for you. Yes. One more. Blah, one word to describe your future. Oh, fuck. That's not the word. <laughs> Um, a chill. Yeah, no. Ugh. Ugh. God. <laughs> what is the word? I just see like a, like a calm forest. <laughs> yeah, just calm. I'm just looking for a little 
It's the classic, like, your 20s were crazy, then your 30s are like, yeah, can I just, like, chill out for mm-hmm. a minute? So, porcelain. Porcelain? Yeah, because it's, like, That's... smooth. Uh-huh. It's kind of shiny. It's a little delicate. Like, you have to work keeping it safe. Yeah. So, porcelain. I think that's the first. Uh, that's definitely the first time porcelain has ever been mentioned as a word. Yeah, it's porcelain. Good. It's good, and Debbie's gonna play with. Yeah, Debbie now. loves porcelain. Yes. All right, fantastic. Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham presents Roxy Castillo. Uh, tell us where we can find you on social media and uh, yeah. upcoming shows and projects. You can find me on Instagram at generic thug twitter is pugly roxy um i'm trying to get away from facebook just you know yeah um meta yep and then outside of that just um i'm around i'll live in austin for forever so (laughs) you'll see me good Yay. yay well we hope you've enjoyed learning about how roxy got to be the comedic genius that you heard today just as much as i have This has been Comedy Wham Presents Roxy Castillo. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Roxy. Thank you.